Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, the host, and today I've got Natalie Lee. Now you may know Natalie from Instagram as Style Me Sunday. She's on there, I love her content. It's so positive and uplifting, but also incredibly truthful, authentic. And um, I can't wait to share her story around ADHD, but also just her story on I guess um, shedding all of the shame, finding freedom and being a lot more authentic. So actually, Natalie began her career as a midwife, which I think is fascinating, before she started her fashion blog, Style Me Sunday, in July 2012. Wow, that's 10 years ago. And over this decade, she's grown and evolved to so much more than fashion. So she now helps women overcome their own struggles and has over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And throughout this time, she has run events such as the Warrior Woman Project. She's co-hosted a podcast called The Everything Project, been a panelist many, many times, taken part in a TV project about women's quests for better orgasms. We all need that. And worked with a variety of household names and brands. And actually, this is something we're going to be talking about. She is also a published author. So when this comes out, her book will be out and it's called Feeling Myself. And it's all about shedding sexual shame and finding freedom. And don't we all need that? So Natalie, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you so much. That was a lovely intro. I liked that. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much there. It's like, where do we start? First of all, I am a big fan because I've been following you for a while. And I think I was even following you before my own diagnosis. Maybe I even knew about you and your ADHD. Um, But as typical ADHD style, I think we are always drawn energy wise to other women who can sort of relate to the traits of ADHD or have you know, been diagnosed. So I just love your truthfulness and I love your openness and and giving other women this permission to be imperfect and to almost kind of embrace those imperfections so we can live life a little bit freer. Tell me a little bit about, I guess, being more honest and more open and being, giving yourself the permission to embrace imperfection but also wanting to shed the shame shed the sexual shame which I know your book is about I remember I went to a talk and 
my friend took me to this talk by this guy called Mark Shaler, and he does the Do Lectures. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're a bit like TED Talks, but in Britain, in the UK. And um, I heard him speak, and he was he was so passionate and the most amazing public speaker. And public speaking had been one of my nemesis. You know, I absolutely hated it, which sounds weird because I have such a public kind of profile. But actually standing up in a room full of people was something that really intrigued me and something I admired so much in other people, but I was shit scared of doing myself. So anyway, he did this talk and he was like, he was all about being noisy. He was like, don't say anything at all if you if you haven't got something important to say. And um, it just, a light bulb went off and I was like, what am I doing? I'm like sharing the latest must have shoes online, but where's the authenticity? Where's the... Where's the realness? I was going through a lot as well. Like with my daughter, she just had a recent diagnosis that was quite uh, mind blowing, I would say. She was losing her sight and that was quite traumatic. And I just suddenly felt like what I was sharing was fairly meaningless, was quite mundane. I was having a real sort of like, you know what it's like when you're not really passionate about something, you lose interest, right? Especially with ADHD. And then I was like, do you know what? People might not like what I've got to say. They might not like me showing more skin online, but that's, I need to start pushing the boundaries. I need to start questioning society's norms and how we're living, how I'm living. I was very much playing into all of the fucking roles that had been handed to me. So that kind of, that was a bit of a turning point, I guess. That's quite a long answer. <laughs> no, 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 because that's really interesting because I just wonder, is that before or after your diagnosis, your ADHD diagnosis? My ADHD diagnosis is fairly recent. Last year or the year before, I think it was last year that I got it, at the beginning of last year. So it's like, a, it's coming up to a year, I would say. And when I got my ADHD diagnosis, it was like, oh my God, everything suddenly makes sense. Whereas it really didn't before. And oh my God, it's been, there's been a lot of unpicking, a lot of unpicking. <laughs> yeah. It's like this metamorphosis, isn't it? When you get that diagnosis and all of a sudden all the dots are like being joined in your head and you, on reflection, you go back. I know for me, that was massive. It was huge. It was just like decades of being able to notice different patterns. Where did it show up for you? Where did your ADHD show up before you understood it was ADHD? And is it still the same now? God, where the fuck did, didn't it show up? <laughs> now it's like, well, what is me and what's the ADHD? You know, that is in my head a lot. And I don't think I'll ever have the answers to that. Um, but I would say the most uh, noticeable ways it showed up was my memory. My memory 
shocking, absolutely shocking. I would often forget appointments. I would often be surprised by people coming to the house or ringing me up going, where are you? You know, I would say, for example, if one of my children's friends was coming to our house for a play date, I'd forget to pick them up and the school would be calling me and and I'd be on the other side of London. And just so many, so many ways. Executive dysfunction was big for me. I couldn't, I struggled occasionally, you know, because obviously the symptoms go up and down depending on so many things, your hormones and, and lots of different things. But yeah, doing things in a kind of timely and logical order were big for me, huge for me. Cooking dinner was a big one for me. I, I struggled to plan dinners. I struggled to execute them in a sort of timely fashion. And there was a lot of like, there was a lot of shame that went with a being unable to do it and not understand why I had a problem with it. And I didn't know how to communicate that to people around me. Yeah. The other way was in my connections, my connection to myself and my connections with other people. I didn't remember birthdays. I didn't remember what conversation we'd had when we last met. I often had a lot of social anxiety, especially around the school gates. I would... I knew that I recognised the face and I knew that we'd probably had some really meaningful interactions, but I couldn't remember their name and I couldn't remember what those were. So then I used to get very, I feel quite emotional talking about this because it really does affect you quite a lot. And then I used to get really quite anxious about me seeing them because I couldn't remember their names. And I know that they would think that I just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And yeah. that really that make that really inhibits your relationships, your friendships. All it really it really affects that quite badly. Even my relationship with my children, I struggled to listen to them read at night. Because it's so fucking dull, you know. <laughs> Trying to get children to read is like pulling teeth for me. Yeah. And it makes me feel like a bad mother. I don't like getting down on the floor and playing with them. That to me is like my worst nightmare. I'm really good at cuddles, but ask me to sit down on the floor and play snap or something like that just does not interest me and and I felt I felt so awful about that yeah I really relate to all of what you just said then Natalie and I through my coaching I hear the shame it's a very consistent feeling and emotion that we want to be the right mum, the right woman, and it's so difficult for us. And I really relate. I've got four kids and the reading at night has always been like pulling teeth for me. But I actually found a way through that. 
So uh, oh, I need husband... all the help I can get. Thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here for this. <laughs> so for me, reading fiction is really hard. Like I just try so hard to read novels and I just can't do it. And I found this with like my kids and all the Biff Chipper and, you know, books that, you know, here in the UK we read. But I ended up buying my kids books that I would want to hear about, like nonfiction. So books about like historical figures or, you know, the, um, the anthology is about all the strong women. I've forgotten the name of it. Um, Rebel women. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebel mm -hmm. women. So I bought all of them, all like about scientists and um interesting things about countries and spirituality Ooh. and then I'll listen so I've got this gorgeous book that I read with my seven-year-old and it's all like little short stories about bringing in more gratitude or bringing in more kind of resilience and it's all the shit that I'm interested in but it's just like written for a seven-year-old oh, so then I'm that. interested yeah so then I'm interested but I leave my husband to do the phonetics and all the stuff that I just want to like bang my head against a wall with. But I've come to accept that that's okay. Like that's okay. I'm going to do the the teaching of the, you know, that kind of world. And she can learn about things like that. And even if phonetically and it's not the right age group for her, we're still trying to read this, that stuff. And I really agree with you with the school gates that, again, I'm not very good at small talk. I kind of want to drop and run, but you feel like you need to make an effort. But I think the more we talk about this and more women actually open up and be okay with not being great at certain things, then other women are just like, oh, okay, so it's okay. Like you're giving me permission to be that woman. And I think that's what you do so well online. You do the kind of the warts and all with everything. And I really appreciate what you said about how the ADHD probably showed up in different ways, especially in your work where you just got bored, you know, that you just lost that interest of promoting the brands or talking about the fashion where now you, I guess you weave it in, don't you? Like if you feel like talking about sunglasses and lipstick, you do it. If exactly. you feel like talking about body hair and sex, then you do it. And I think that freedom, especially with ADHD, is so powerful because we're told to stay in one box. You're a fashion blogger, talk about fashion. You're a health blogger, talk about health. Where actually, why the hell can't we just blend it all in depending on how we're feeling, our cycle? Is that what you're trying to do now with what you're, you're curating online? Yeah, I think I finally accepted that I'm never going to be the sort of person that sticks to one lane. Because everyone, when they talk about like, your brand because I am my brand everyone's like no you 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 should be known for this like people need to if they're coming to you for you know a podcast or for um an expert view on something you need to be the voice of that and I'm like but I've tried it and I've just can't stick to the one topic it's just not gonna be me and you know as you said, you kind of like, you just get a bit of a deeper understanding about what works for you and what doesn't. And you work with strategies and what, um, once you know that you're never going to be the one lane kind of woman, you just learn to accept it. And I'm like, yeah, at the moment, I talk about so many different things and I don't think I'll ever change that. So I need to stop like, beating myself up for not being the person who knows all about X. Yeah, yeah. 
with what you do is ADHD and and talking about that going to be part of your online persona or do you think that once you've talked about it you'd be done and you're you know you're going to be happy to embrace other stuff first of all I'm not a good planner I don't think about the future I don't have a strategy I definitely don't have an online strategy so you know I haven't thought about whether I'm going to be done with it I might be sick of it like in a few months who knows I think it it's a similar thing to like when I started talking about body confidence I did start doing that kind of stuff before body positivity was really big online. Then when body positivity got really big, I got really bored because I felt like it's all been said now from my perspective. I don't really want to be in that space anymore. So let me find a way to navigate a way of talking about other stuff that interests me. And that's always quite a really difficult process for me because it means really getting quiet and being in tune with myself and figuring out what is it I actually want to start talking about. Anytime I put any sort of restrictions on myself, that's the time when I will start to rebel against it and go, fuck this shit, I'm not doing that. Like, I need to just allow the flow to happen. So so I don't know is, is the really long yeah. answer to that short question. <laughs> no, and, and 100%. I mean, what you're saying is, and I, we see it all the time, is that I believe that ADHDers are hugely ahead of the curve. They're innovators, they're leaders, they think outside the box. And so we see the trends, we see the things like before other people. You know, the amount of things that I've talked about to my husband um, and mentioned, and he's like, oh, that'll never catch on. And I'm like, trust me, trust me. I like, I sit there and I'm like, track and stare. And I'm like, yes, that guy's definitely, you know, and I always, I just have this innate feeling of what's next. Absolutely. And I think that's because we can see things from a different perspective. We are able to see things sometimes, you know, in its entirety rather than just looking at it face on in 2D form. Yeah. Did you feel like you were masking your different challenges and and I guess how it manifested as ADHD? Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know I was masking it, you know. You know, say for example, when I gave you the um the cooking analogy, I was like I'm not, I'm not cooking. I'm not this woman in the kitchen. This is, this goes against all of my feminist ideals, you know. I didn't realise that that was masking my inability to be able to do it effectively, timely, you know, that was, I didn't realise I was masking it. I was, I made excuses, but I didn't realise I was making excuses. So it's really difficult to unpack that, really difficult to unpack it. But it's just something that, and I think obviously women are much better at masking than men. It's just something that's just built into us. We we naturally want to be people pleasers. We naturally want to do well. We're naturally sort of conditioned to not rebel and and you know do do what we're told basically 
I wouldn't actually, I'm going to correct myself there. I said naturally. I think this is definitely a conditioning that's happened from a very, very early age. Before we're even born, if you know the gender, you know, we speak differently about different genders. We we have so much placed on us that understanding that is really difficult. Now I've lost yeah. the track. Now I've lost track and I don't remember what the bloody question was. <laughs> Neither, do Neither do I. It's fine because it's interesting. <laughs> So you may have heard that I did a workshop about managing your nervous system with ADHD a few weeks ago. I was so happy to see quite a lot of you sign up and be there live. But the workshop is now available to buy. It's on my website for £33. And I really wanted to share everything I knew about ADHD and the nervous system. And this started from me noticing my own nervous system, noticing how much of an impact it had and understanding the correlation between our nervous system and ADHD. And so this is a 75 minute workshop where I talk about the correlation of our nervous system to ADHD. I touch on the polyvagal theory and why understanding the vagus nerve is crucial to helping our ADHD and really dive into the understanding of why do our many ADHD traits such as RSD, procrastination, low dopamine, anxiety, hypervigilance have such an impact on our sensitive nervous systems and how we can empower ourselves with intentional daily choices. And I also talk about the practical, the mindset and the spiritual tools and coaching strategies to regulate and calm our nervous systems to feel a better version, more grounded version of ourselves on a daily basis. And I touch on lots more, but I really believe that understanding this connection between our very highly sensitive nervous systems and our ADHD can be groundbreaking in having a calmer, more balanced daily life. So head to my website, it's coachingbykate.me.uk. You'll find it on the tools and resources area and it's £33 and I really hope that it helps you understand your nervous system and helps you find different ways and different strategies to access more calm and more opportunities to notice your nervous system and be aware of how you are able to calm it. Tell me a little bit about your book. You know, when this conversation comes out, I'm hoping that it'll be on the shelves and it'll be doing really, really well. What what inspired you to write a book about shedding sexual shame and finding freedom? Where did this come from? So for a very long time I felt like I felt like I didn't have a voice. I felt like I wanted to share my story but I didn't know how to share it. And stuff like sexual shame, sexual trauma is very difficult to share online without context because it's so fast paced it's so you know people just scroll and and some of the stuff i really wanted to talk about it didn't lend itself to that platform without there being a wider conversation so I've had this book in my head for a very, very long time. It wasn't necessarily always going to be about sexual shame, but that was the kind of what I realised when I was sort of writing my proposal and getting feedback from publishers 
that was the crux of the issue. That was, you know, the sexual trauma and sexual shame. It infiltrated every part of my life. So I just really had to get to the nub of the issue and focus on that. And again, you know, that was other people helping me to hone my brain mm. and really sort of, you know, focus in on one thing. But it's really helped me find my voice. It's really helped me feel like there's this massive weight that's been lifted off my shoulder. And hopefully by sharing my experience, by being really vulnerable, it will resonate with other people. I know it will resonate with other people. Unfortunately, it will resonate with other people. But I hope that it is really freeing as well. I hope it is really encouraging. And um, I think inspiring is a bit too big a word. That feels too... It feels too much like a job to me. But I do hope that people get something from the book. I really think they will. And I feel good about it. I feel lighter about it. I feel like it will be controversial. And it was the most traumatic thing I think I've ever done in my whole life. But now I feel like, you know what? It's all out there now. No one can hold this against me no one if I suddenly become like mega famous no one can sell their story on me and say well what about this do you know what I mean um so that feels really good that that is part of the shame shedding it's about owning those experiences that happen to you and realizing often that it wasn't your fault. It yeah. really wasn't your fault. And sometimes that is a very, very difficult process to come to. But that's what I hope that this book will, will do. We hold so much shame for things that other people have done to us. And I want to try and untangle that and help people release that. Yeah. I mean, just listening to that now has just made me think so much because I think definitely with ADHD, my long-term memory, I find it really hard to remember things, you know, from childhood. And I know throughout, you know, I'm nearly 42. And so you growing up in that era, we didn't have this language. We didn't hear language when we were 16 and 17 and going through all the sexual things that we did at that age. We didn't hear about empowerment and choice and, um, you know, all the things that thankfully is talked about now, perhaps still not talked about enough. I think back of all the different things that potentially had happened that may be considered sexual trauma or things that I wasn't entirely happy with, that I look back now as a 42-year-old woman nearly and then think, how the hell did I allow that to happen? So I think any woman you know, whether they can relate to a serious sexual trauma or, or not, will be able to relate to, to this conversation because I don't know one woman that ha can't, you know, hand on their heart, say, I didn't love that experience or that experience I felt out of control in or I wish that experience hadn't happened. Um, and exactly, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that 
you know, I've come to a place where I forgive myself for not knowing whether I could say no, not participating in things that didn't feel necessarily very comfortable and wouldn't be classed as sexual assault or or anything like that. But I didn't know, as you said, that I had the choice, you know, and and you don't realise that you need to forgive yourself for, for things. Otherwise, you carry that and it, it and it impacts you on a daily basis without, you know, sometimes I think, you know, the thing about the memory, that was one of the hardest things about writing this book. You have to give examples of things. And that was really difficult, really difficult for me. And actually, since the book is now done and dusted, like, even more stuff is coming up because I, I, I've, I've started taking medication for my ADHD. Well, that is like putting a key in a lock and unlocking it. These memories now are coming back to me. Stuff that I just had, had pushed away, didn't realise. Now it's bizarre, the things that I remember. And my friends are noticing. They're like, wow, you never would have remembered that before. And I could never connect with my childhood self, could never remember what my childhood was like. And now it's coming back to me. Wow, that is so fascinating that because that, I mean, it's good in some ways, but again, you know, with trauma and PTSD and things like that, that's like a whole thing, you know, unraveling things that perhaps we've suppressed for so long and I see this a lot in myself and other women that we hold it so much in our body you know that's chronic pain inflammation autoimmune diseases just aches pains migraines it just all sits in our body and sometimes we don't even know where it comes from until we go through maybe like a therapeutic process of like EMDR I see it with EFT with tapping you know things just rush in like we just feel it in our body and I would definitely say with this type of thing anything somatic is fantastic just to be able to release things that we're holding on to even you know I see it in fertility issues and um, hormonal issues that when we start releasing things things start feeling easier and better in our body so this is an invitation for, for anyone that's I guess that's listening that does feel like they've suppressed old trauma and suppressed things that because it's just too hard to to go there um did you have to go through that type of therapy or how did you get through that book when things were coming up for you yeah so I was having therapy whilst I was writing the book my therapist was like you really should have started therapy before writing the book shouldn't you (laughs) and I was like yeah I should have but you know what we're here now and um, I've just got to do it but going through having therapy alongside writing was a very necessary component for me because as I said it was very just writing the book itself was another traumatizing experience but what I do know is that the book made me face a lot of things that 
I didn't want to face, that felt too scary, that felt like I was opening up Pandora's box. I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know if I'll be okay talking about it and facing it. But what I did find out is that even though a lot of these things were painful, deeply, deeply painful, I survived. And talking about it has been a huge release, a huge weight off, off me. It wasn't as bad as I had built it up to be. What happened was awful. And talking about what happened was then really awful. But it is a huge relief. It really is. And I know that a lot of people are scared to face things. A lot of people are scared to even, you know, talk about, have those difficult conversations with people they love. Not even, you know, we're not even talking about anything traumatic. We're talking about difficult, difficult relationships with people. I know that not facing them, not having the bravery to to talk about them only inhibits those relationships, only inhibits our connection to ourselves and our connection to them. So, it, yeah, it is scary, but it's definitely worthwhile doing, in my experience. But that's also, if you've got the space and a safe space to do it, I don't want, you know, people to think that, they have to sometimes you're not in the right in the right space are you you're not in the right frame of mind you're not you're not where you need to be to deal with it and that's okay too knowing that understanding that is just as important as well yeah I think that's a really good point is that very often the timing is just not quite right we're just not ready but you know, like you say, to have the connection, the support, the people around you for when you are. And I guess your vulnerability, and I and I think definitely bravery, because this is not an easy subject to talk about, to delve into and to write about. So I think so many people are going to be very grateful for you opening up that conversation and allowing them to sort of dip their toe in that water and, and know whether they need to get therapy or whether they need to talk to someone about it. Because I reckon there's probably a lot of people out there that have just shut it all down and know that there's something within them that perhaps we're edging towards the right time to, to go there and get that therapy. Because on the other side, like you say in the book title, is finding freedom in a piece. And you literally can't put a price on that of being able to feel, I go back to that body of like not feeling that weight on your shoulders and not feeling like this heaviness that you're carrying something around with you. You don't even know what you're carrying around. It's like lugging a huge sack of rocks and you don't even know what the rocks are. Reading a book like this and just hearing someone talk about it, I think is very powerful. And I know that a lot of people are, are going to be very grateful so thank you I'm can't, I personally can't wait to read about mm. read it yeah so one of the other things I wanted to say is you know another way it manifested for me which I've kind of alluded to was that connection thing and I had gone very much into shutdown and just just that disassociation now I now whether it's trauma whether it's ADHD whether it's both I haven't quite 
managed to figure that out yet. But, you know, I, I struggled to have appropriate responses to things. Sometimes when something big was happening, I couldn't, I couldn't access the emotion, didn't feel sad. It was really difficult for me. It felt, I felt very disconnected. I also think that the path to diagnosis is, is made much more difficult because I don't think we treat it as something that's as significant as it is. Now I've been diagnosed, I've realized how much it's affected my whole life and how, you know, as we've already said, how much shame I've carried around it and how much it's inhibited me. But you go to the doctors and they're very dismissive, I think. They're very dismissive around it, especially as, as it started to become more prevalent. People... I like, oh, everyone's got a bit of ADHD. I mean, stop doing that. Stop doing that to people. Stop undermining them and making them feel like it's not a problem. And that, you know, that we definitely see that in, in the way it manifests in the diagnosis. It's really difficult to get because it's just not a priority for professionals a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And and it is sad that it's still the case that people are being dismissed. And, you know, listen, I'm all for awareness and I'm all for, you know, talking about it. But when it gets to that point where people go, it's trendy to have ADHD or it's like, you know, all the all the glossy mags are covering it. And it's and it's sad because then it is being kind of, you know, you're not being validated. And when we see it, showing up in in a really hard challenging way throughout our lives where it has had a huge impact on our mental health and physical health with you know with regards to either self-harm or suicide or like severe depression yeah this is really serious stuff this is not just about not being able to sit in class and and not focus exactly. this is an answer to years decades of being put on the wrong medication being misdiagnosed being dismissed absolutely and and that's when it gets really serious so i you know i urge doctors and i know that a lot quite a lot of doctors do listen to this um podcast you know whether it themselves have got adhd but it's it's so important that the narrative you know it becomes more it's frequently talked about across the medical um, board as well. And before we go, I wanted to ask you, because obviously this podcast is all about well-being. What, what do you do for yourself now that you know you have the ADHD? But I guess what did you do also intuitively before you had the diagnosis to help calm yourself, ground yourself, feel more balanced? Why are you asking me that? You know my memory's so terrible. Why are you asking <laughs> me what I was doing before? <laughs> um, what I'm doing now, let's start with that because that's easier yeah. to access. That's that's more important. <laughs> let's forget let's forget the past. What are you doing now? Because that's the most important. <laughs> um, what am I doing now? I'm very aware, you know, um, before we actually started this podcast, I asked you to do a little grounding exercise with me. I'm very aware that I get distracted a lot, that my brain is running at a million miles an hour. So I need to ground myself. I need to center myself. I need to like calm down my nervous system. 
So the best way I can do that is to do some really big, deep breaths. I try and start the day with a meditation and that guides me through the, the breaths. And that just just really helps to, yeah, settle things down, um, makes me feel more present, more able to hone in on a conversation. But other things, I think that's the major thing. The meditation for me has been huge. It's made a huge difference to my life. And it's really important that I do that every day, not only when I'm struggling. It's really important to carry that on, even when I'm feeling good and I'm feeling like, oh, I don't need it today. No, I really do. I really do need to do have that time. Um, and I guess, so I sometimes refer to, um, it's not, it's probably not the best way to refer to myself, but I sometimes refer to my ADHD as the sloth version of the ADHD. So I often feel like I've got very low energy. I struggle to, with my workload, I struggle to sometimes get out of the house um, and things like that. And, you know, just having more awareness and understanding really helps me to feel better. But I'm much better now at giving myself breaks. I'm much better at not feeling like I have to do everything and be everything to everyone. So I do I do take breaks away from social media. I do often go away. I love traveling and I go away for the weekend or for a week often. Just put stuff down. It's just, I just give myself a lot more permission now to not always, before I felt like I was either working or I was lying on the, on the sofa watching Housewives feeling shit about not working. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of give myself permission to take better, more breaks and better breaks, like actually more meaningful breaks. So, yeah, I think that's the main thing. I love journaling. I think journaling is a great way to get all that stuff out of our brain to offload. I've often struggled with sleeping because that brain just won't shut up. And journaling really helps me to have a little mind dump. Um, and things like listening to podcasts. I love true crime podcasts. That really helps me to like detach. Um, probably not the best thing for my mental health, <laughs> admittedly. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's it's it's. I good. love that. <laughs> yeah. It's good to sort of. I like... love that. I think listening to yeah, listening to podcasts that um, are totally disconnected from our life and our work, because I think. We we have we are at risk of overworking and overachieving and you know constantly and, and not actually knowing when to stop and we get to that burnout. So what you said then about um taking proper breaks and pausing is is prevents that overwhelm, which very quickly can happen. You know, for me, 100 percent I can be like just constantly, constantly going, and then all of a sudden the burnout and the bust will just kick in. Yeah. 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 
I used to get that a lot. I used to get so overwhelmed. And then I would just stick my head in the sand and not deal with anything, not answer calls, not, you know, because I was just so frazzled that I couldn't bear it, you know. And that's about not understanding myself, not listening to what my body needed, my mind and my body needed. And now I'm much more in tune with that. And, and I think that's all been brought about because I'm I'm still at the beginning of the day and I, I, I have time to sort of process things a bit better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's so helpful, Natalie. I really appreciate this conversation and um, mm. I think so many other people will. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability and what you put out there. Um, and I can't wait for this book to come out. And so I will make sure that all the links go into the show notes. But <laughs> if you want to find Natalie, head to the Style Me Sunday on um, Instagram. And there's loads of stuff on there. And um, make sure that you get her book, um, which is out. What date is it out? That's out June the 9th. And it's called Feeling Myself. And I would, I mean, it's available for pre-order. Um, but thank you. Thank you for inviting me on because that was a really beautiful conversation. Thank you for allowing me to have a voice. Thank you for giving me some tips that are really useful. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. So thanks. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.